Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. come to uh, the scripture. It can be found on the screen or in the Bible in the pew. Today we're in the King James uh, Version, revised, I believe. Mark 5, verses 21 to 24. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She heard heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. This is the word of God. Please join me in prayer. It's so good to spend this time together with these words that are directly about you, Jesus, and see again your kindness and your patience and 
your goodness. And Lord, we pray you draw out our hearts to you, our affection, our love, our trust. We pray in your name. Amen. It's pretty pretty much a truism in our life that we let important people interrupt us. And sometimes we let important people interrupt us with things that even aren't particularly that important, but we let important people interrupt us, right? I was actually here on uh, this on our grounds uh, a couple years back, and our, our Congresswoman, Susan Delvene, was here as part of an emergency preparedness exercise. And even before I recognized who she was, you could just see the body language of people interacting with her, and it was really obvious that this person is someone important. It was written all over their faces, their gestures, the way people sort of moved and responded to her. And yes, turns out she's the, our elected representative for the first district of the state of Washington, and right, she's, she's someone important. And it was obvious that when she walked up, the things that were happening as she walked up got interrupted because she's an important person. And that's just the way things go, right? We also let people interrupt us who are important to us. Whatever plans that we have going, when there's a person who's important to us in terms of relationship and our respect, we let that person interrupt us and interrupt what's, what's going on. Uh, this past week, uh, she's on the other side of it now, but this past week, uh, Dahlia spiked a fever and was uh, fairly ill. And in fact, um, at one point, um, spiked a high enough fever, almost 108, that we took her into children's. And turns out, yes, she had influenza and uh, it looks like we're all weathering it because of the incubation periods and things. Um, we're not quite out of the woods, but it looks like we're good. And we... All of a sudden, because Dahlia is important to us as a family, her needs interrupted all kinds of things that we otherwise had planned, right? We let the people who are important to us interrupt us in what we would have otherwise chosen to do. Now we get to this story that uh, we just read, and thank you, Matthew, for that. And it's obvious that Jairus is in that first category, right? He is an important person. I can, having met her here uh, several years back, I've been in other places in downtown Kirkland and a couple other places where I've seen Susan Del Benny. I mean, she doesn't know me from anybody, but I've seen her and I, and I don't point at her and I don't shout out, but I, I remember when I've seen her, right? Because she's an important person and she stands out and I, Jairus is in that category, right? When he's walking through the, the market in Capernaum, people notice. When he's the next town over, people notice. He's the head of the synagogue. He's an important person in that society. He, I'm sure, often gets what he asks for because he's important. Now, his daughter is in that second category. His daughter is important to him. A 12-year-old in most societies, in most times and places throughout human history, 12-year-olds, let alone in a traditional society, 12-year-old girls, are not the most important people in the room, almost never. But his daughter is precious 
to him. You can, you can see it as this interaction happens for this very important person to come to this wandering rabbi and fall down at Jesus' feet. Right? That's the measure of how important this girl, this daughter is to her dad, that he's willing to make himself, he's willing to grovel as important as he is, he, as he is, he grovels, begs Jesus, come and heal my daughter. And so Jesus, naturally enough, and of course this is what everyone around him, we, it seems like we should expect, that Jesus agrees and off they go. And because the daughter is you know, at death's door is a, not an unreasonable translation. This daughter is, she's about to die. And so Jesus agrees and, you know, in essence, they sort of, they get in the ambulance and the door is shut and the sirens go on and they're, they're off. I mean, now, it's a crowd. It's not going down the road at 70 miles an hour. It's, there's a crowd around them. They're pushing through, but everyone's excited to see what's going to happen. And they're, they're in motion to go to this very important man's house to heal this girl who's very important to him. Now, this other woman in the story is kind of the opposite end of the social spectrum, right? Right, think about the last time that you were in downtown Seattle and you saw some of the homeless folks. Not the kind of people that everyone makes way for. Not the kind of people that you can, you can spot in a crowd simply because of how the crowd is morphing around, right? This woman has a, a flow of blood, and you can make some guesses about what that, that means, and that's all the text says, but she has a flow of blood. Blood is considered in Jewish ceremonial law unclean for you know, good health reasons and also a sense of written into the law purity. She's had a flow of blood, and she, however much money she had when this started, it's all gone now. So she has a medical condition that makes her socially ostracized. And in fact, if she so much as touches another person, that person has to go into quarantine, a term we're very familiar with now, has to go essentially into quarantine for 24 hours and these little rituals you do. She's spent all of her money on doctors, except instead of getting better, she's gotten worse. And, and notice it's a chronic condition. She's had this for a long time. This is not an emergency. It's excruciating for her, but it's not an emergency. It's been going on for a very long time. An unimportant person with an unimportant issue that isn't going to particularly get any worse if it gets left for a few days or weeks or months, presumably, and yet, do you see what happens? Jesus, on his way to this important person's house to do this important thing for this important person who's this completely unimportant person, interrupts. And it's like the ambulance brakes slam on, the sirens go off, and Jesus opens the door and spends the time to interact with socially kind of like a homeless woman. 
somebody who's completely unimportant to anyone else around in the crowd. And everyone's asking him, right, like, how can you say who touched you? There's tons of people touching you. Jesus, that's a completely unreasonable question. We've got to go. We've got a girl who's about to die. We've got to go. We've got to go. We've got to go. And Jesus insists on being completely unhurried. Even in the middle of this emergency that begs both for Jairus' importance and for the, the nature of the medical condition itself, it sort of begs for urgency. And Jesus... You can just sort of imagine him just stopping and having a chat with this woman who's had this chronic condition, now healed, but this chronic condition, and takes the time to draw her out. I love this image of Jesus. I love this image of Jesus, that he's willing to set aside the urgencies and the emergencies of life and focus in on the person who needs him. Jesus refuses to be hurried. Jesus refuses to be pushed away from the person who needs him in that moment. And that that is good news for us. Daughter, go your way. You're healed of your disease. The daughter who's waiting still, and we'll read on in the text, we'll, we'll finish the story, we won't leave you hanging. The daughter who's on death's door can actually wait because here's this other daughter this other daughter of God who needs Jesus in this moment, and he gives her what she needs. Not just the physical healing, but the social reintegration. His willingness to touch her, to engage with her, to give her the importance that she truly has as a woman made in the image of God. And that is good news for us in this story. Now, the story does continue. We'll finish reading. Um, skip ahead a couple slides. There we go. While he was still speaking with this woman, this unimportant woman, while Jesus was there still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, hey, your, your daughter is dead. Why, why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to Jairus, to the ruler of the synagogue, don't fear, just trust, just believe. And he allowed no one to follow him at that point except for Peter and James and John, sort of the, the inner three of the disciples. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. In other words, the girl really is dead. There's been enough time now to gather the professional mourners, which was the, the custom of the day. The neighbors, the, the family who are genuinely mourning, and then you would gather others to mourn with you from, from the surrounding community. So he saw the commotion, people wheeling, uh, weeping and wailing loudly. And when Jesus had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him because she's not mostly dead. She's, she's, she's dead. 
But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and then went in to where the child was. And taking her by the hand, Jesus said to her, Talitha, kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement, understatement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them, go get her something to eat. The word of the Lord. Jesus refuses to be hurried. Throughout this entire encounter, refuses to let other people dictate to him how he's going to go about all this. Right? He agrees to go with Jairus. He agrees to heal the daughter, but then takes the time with the other daughter of God to give her what she needs. And then what we find when we get to the house is, yeah, Jesus is still going to raise this girl back to life, this 12-year-old girl back to life. But in the process, he's going to give the disciples and Jairus and his wife and this girl what they need. In the same way that this woman, this unimportant woman who was afraid to just be identified and just wanted to, to touch and get healed and bail out, Jesus, in the same way that he gave her all of what she needed, the social reintegration, the, the acceptance back into society, the acceptance from Jesus himself, in the same way he's giving Jairus what he needs. That it's not just a matter of Jesus being able to heal, which is true, but Jesus to be able to give life which is a whole nother level of power, a whole nother level of reassurance for Jairus and his wife and for us. The, the words that Jesus said to this girl, I, I love, and I've, several years ago when we went through this text together, uh, had the occasion, uh, talit in Aramaic is simply a young lamb or a, a young goat. And it happens to be, as I, I think I mentioned several years back when we had this text, this happens to be one instance where where we go in English with our metaphors is exactly where Aramaic goes in their metaphors. Because in addition to child, we will call children kids. Talit is a boy kid, and Talitha is a girl kid. Kumi is just simply get up. So literally, what Jesus is saying works, translates perfectly into English. He's sitting by her bedside. He takes her hand, and he literally says, kiddo, get up. Jairus needs to see not just his daughter raised to life. Jairus, apparently, because this is how Jesus does it, Jairus and the disciples and we need to see the tenderness of Jesus along with his power. 
we need to see that Jesus is not just going to speak from on high and make things all better. Jesus is going to enter in intimately, tenderly, affectionately in the moment. He's going to enter into their lives and enter into our lives tenderly, personally, intimately, patiently. Kiddo, let's get up. And after she's awake, did you, did you the last words? And uh, can you get her something to eat? She's kind of hungry, right? I mean, he's attentive. And folks, let's, let's just be honest. In this moment where so many of us and certainly our family and friends and neighbors are freaking out about what the future is going to hold, right? COVID-19 is a thing. It's a real legitimate thing, and it's highly likely that people will be dying. People already have more will. That much is reality. But folks, this is the Jesus we have been brought into relationship with, who is tender and intimate and affectionate and takes the time with us to give us what we need. And life is hard and life is painful and it may get a lot more painful before this is all over. We need to be clear-eyed about that. But friends, he's no different today than he was with Jairus and his daughter and this unnamed other woman. He's exactly the same with us. If only we'll come to him like Jairus, come to him like this woman, Ask for what we need and let him give it to us tenderly and patiently and intimately. One more piece. There will be things in our life that we will not understand. Why the delay? Why the delay? Think of how Jairus's heart breaks when he gets this news that his daughter is dead. And if he could have screamed out a bunch of questions at Jesus in that moment, I bet he would have had some. And maybe he did. We will have our questions too, but Jesus is not afraid of that. Jesus will be patient with us in that as well. But we can trust both from this story and everything else we see of him, he will give to us what we most truly need through whatever it is we face in the days and weeks and months to come. To trust, to receive, and know that we, at the end of the day, are going to be receiving far more than we actually initially asked for. Amen.